How many of you realize that sometimes life happens? And when life happens, we have three options, uh, three possible responses. Response number one is fright. We talked about that last week, how the scripture is replete with this admonition. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Because it is a human tendency, it is a human inclination that when we are surprised, when we are um, blindsided, that our response, our first response is often fright. There are three responses. Number one is fright. Number two, flight. Sometimes we flee because uh, navigating conflict and coming face-to-face with conflict is uncomfortable for most. Uh, Pastor Wendy and I talked about that extensively just in our own lives. First, two two to five years, uh, we had to learn what that looked like for us, and we came up with our rules of engagement. And we said that sometimes it's okay for that person to retreat to their corner. You see that in professional sports. You see that in professional boxing. Uh, when, when it gets kind of... When it gets kind of hairy, man, that referee will come up uh, and he'll separate those fighters, send them back to their corner so that they can decompress. Uh, and so we learned early on in our marriage, early on in our relationship, that one of, the, one of the options that Wendy often chose was flight. She would flee the scene of the crime. And then I didn't understand why, because I'm the kind of guy who wants to deal with it and move on. I don't like things to linger. She needed to decompress so that she wouldn't say or do something she couldn't take back. Uh, So we've incorporated that as one of our rules of engagement whenever there's conflict. And we help couples walk through that when we do premarital counseling. In fact, we tell all couples, before you get married, make your list of your rules of engagement. That when conflict happens, this is how we're going to navigate that. Uh, This is what is fair, and this is what's a low blow. We can do this, but we're not going to do that. You can do with this, but you can do that. Oh, I just had a moment. And uh, so every couple should have their predetermined rules of engagement because all is not fair in love and war, okay? So, so there are three options. There's fright, uh, there is flight, where some of us avoid conflict. And, and, and just, you know, I think some of us, even though we're grown up, we, we have a, a peekaboo response to life's conflicts. You know the reason kids love peekaboo? One of the reasons they love peekaboo is they think in their young infant mind that if I can't see you, you can't see me. The amusement for the kids is not that they cover up their eyes and you say peekaboo. The amusement for those kids is the fact that they think that when they cover up their eyes and can't see you, you can't see them. In their own little mind, they think, Oh, I just did an amazing trick where I disappeared. (laughs) And that's how most of us approach conflict. Peekaboo, if I pretend that you can't see me, that problem doesn't exist. But how many of you realize that just because you cover your eyes doesn't mean that problem went away? It's going to be right there waiting for you when you get back to it. In fact... (laughs) the things we avoid have a way of taking on a life of their own. They're like fault lines that eventually become earthquakes. So can I just say this to you? If your tendency is to flee, if you're one who is given to flight, if you're one who is given to a peekaboo response to conflict, that if I just pretend it doesn't exist, it'll go away, can I just admonish you? that it's still going to be there for you when you get back to it. It ain't going nowhere. 
because it was never resolved. Are y'all with me? So I've always been the fight kind of conflict person. Hey, let's, let's, let's work this out. And not in a microwave kind of way. I don't just want to rush through it. I, look, let's, let's talk about everything we need to talk about. Let's get to the root of this thing so that we can uproot it and move on. I believe that's where God wants us to live. For those of us who have this idea that you can't love somebody and be confrontational at the same time, you don't really understand God. Because as much as God loves each of us, he will call us to the carpet. No, if you read Genesis chapter 3, when God shows up in the garden, he was confrontational with Adam. That word confront simply means to come face to face, to confront. And most of us think that, well, if I love somebody, I can tiptoe around the issue. If I confront the issue, then I really don't love them. I'm just, no, 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 no. God's way is to confront. Adam, where are you? Are y'all with me? I don't know why I'm hanging out in this whole thing about flight, but if you are given to flight, and, and, and let, me, let me put this, let me put this, if most of us are given to flight, here, here's, here's, here's what we do. We, we hide long enough until the mo emotion of the moment subsides. Somebody laughing like they know what I'm talking about. Come on, somebody. Isn't that what we do? Like in the moment, everybody hot, and then we walk away from the situation, give it a day or two, and then, oh, everybody love it, love it. But the issue is still right there. Are y'all with me? God, in his love, confronts. Adam, where are you? Jonah, you tripping. Paul, what you doing, man? On the road to Damascus. That was God in his love being confrontational. There are three Responses, possible responses, fright, flight, or fight. So we are going to be on the fighting side of the equation. Amen? And we're going to learn how to develop and cultivate relational grit. That means to fight through the awkwardness and discomfort of conflict. So we can get to the other side where we are experiencing fruitful relationships. Are y'all with me? Can I just tell y'all about my premarital counseling sessions? One of the first questions I ask people is, uh, tell me about your last fight. Oh, we never fight. Ding, 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 wrong answer. That's a problem. If you are in a relationship with another human being and you never have a fight. Never disagree about something. It's a problem. I wish I could tell you why it's a problem. But, but, but David Gardner said it best. He said, we plateau, like we flatline, when we lose the tension between where we are and where we ought to be. Most relationships have flatlined because nobody is fighting. So everybody just coasting. And you've lost the tension in your relationship that can only come. Can, can I just say this? Can I just say this? <laughs> what if, what if God designed marriage and relationships 
not to make you happy, but to make you holy. That's why we've twisted this whole marriage thing. You supposed to make me happy. Uh, don't make me cry. Can I tell you that the whole premise of relationship is about conflict? When you put a man and woman together and you tell the woman, submit to that knucklehead. That's what, that's the blueprint for marriage. Submitting to another human being ain't something that makes nobody happy naturally, but it will make you holy. Y'all ain't listening to what I'm saying. Listen, listen, if you tell a grown, selfish man who has always done things the way he wants to do to love his wife as Christ loved the church, selflessly, that ain't no recipe to make nobody happy. But it is a recipe to make them holy. And when I say make them holy, it means to make them better, to make them less selfish, to make them less self-centered. And that's why we get frustrated in marriage, because we say to ourselves, why is it so hard? And the person supposed to just make me happy, make me laugh all the time. And we don't understand that God brings two people together in a relationship. Oh, man, I wish my wife was here. To help them deal with themselves. Y'all didn't like that one, did you? And that's why most of us flee. That's why most of us run. Because when marriage gets hard, we think that something's wrong. But that is the whole premise of marriage. It doesn't exist only to make you happy. And don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that you can't be happy in your marriage. That is part of it. But that's not the end game. The end game is that marriage should be transformational and help us be better from the inside out. Are y'all ready? Are y'all, I mean, I'm sorry. Are y'all listening? Y'all tracking? Okay. Okay. Uh, because that's God's design from the very beginning. Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5 makes it crystal clear. And say, husband, make your wife happy. Wife, make your husband happy. Say, love her as Christ loved. Do you have any idea what that means? I'm talking to the men now. Do, do, do we have any idea what that means? Baby, I'm going to get on the cross for you today. Here I am, baby. Pull out them nine-inch nails and stick it in these hands. I die for you today willingly. No, we don't want to do that. We just want to be happy. Don't nobody want to bleed in the marriage. But how do we love our wives as Christ loved the church if you are unwilling to bleed for her? Y'all ain't listening to me this morning. Because marriage was never intended to make you happy as the ultimate supposed to make you holy and that holiness means I have to sometimes give up what I want and same to the wives wives submit to your husbands like, what is, I'm a 90s kind of girl and that what you used to say with living single 
in the 90s kind of world. I'm glad I got my girls. Oh. I better get to my message. I'm freestyling. My wife ain't here. Okay, so uh, the option, this is where God wants us to live. He wants us to live in the fight zone. And for us, that word fight simply speaks about grit, that stick-to-itiveness that most of us have lost. Let me give you an example. Roger Bannister. Uh, anybody know the name Roger Bannister? Roger Bannister, uh, uh, runner, uh, he is credited with being the first person to break the four-minute mile. When Roger Bannister was running, uh, it was a, considered a physiological impossibility. Now, this is the medical community that said it is impossible for a human being to run one mile in less than four minutes. They said it's impossible. Your heart will explode. Your bones will come apart. All this evil stuff is going to happen to you. Roger Bannister challenged that notion. And Roger Bannister said it is possible, in fact, for a human being to break the four-minute mile barrier. Up until then, everybody, everybody, believed that it was a physical, a physiological, anatomical impossibility until Roger Bannister broke the barrier. And that same year, 12 other people broke the four-minute mile barrier. You know what that is? It's called grit. What's also true about that is sometimes there are people waiting for you to finish what you started in order for them to experience their breakthrough. Your grit, your decision to stick to whatever it is God has called you to stick to could become the permission for everybody to begin to live on a higher level. Because if Roger Bannister hadn't done it, maybe all of us would have still believed what the scientists believe, that four minutes is impossible to break. It's called grit. And that same principle should apply in every area of our lives, especially in our relationships. Oh, what, what about, anybody got a Dyson, a Dyson vacuum? A Dyson vacuum? Dyson, yeah. He had this big idea that we're going to make these vacuum cleaners without bags. Uh, notice, notice. You know how long it took him? Fifteen years. And 5,000 failed attempts. Now, I don't know about you, but 15 years now, if we're just being honest, it's a long time to invest in anything with no results. If we're being honest with ourselves, probably most of us would have quit at year five. And we would have pat ourselves on the back and said, I gave it everything I had. But grit, 15 years, 5,000 failed attempts. I'm saying, I'm saying this to those of us who are on the verge of quitting. You're thinking about giving up. You're, 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 you're right there about to throw in the towel. And the Lord is saying, not only to develop personal grit, but also relational grit. Maybe you've invested everything in that relationship. It's like, man, uh, the best option for me is just to flee. I believe the Lord is saying, do it again. Uh, Thomas Edison, you know, he was uh, uh, kicked out of school. He was considered not smart, a lot like Albert Einstein. You know what Einstein said? 
Einstein said, uh, I'm not the smartest person in the room. I'm just a guy who keeps working at the problem. It's called grit. It's called grit. Thomas Edison, not the smartest guy in the room. He was fired, check this out, fired from his first two jobs. A thousand failed attempts at creating the light bulb. And he is noted for saying genius is 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration. That every great thing we accomplish in life is not going to be, it's only going to be 1% talent. It's going to be 99% hard work and effort. What about Michael Jordan? You remember that, 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 that playoff game when he was burning up with the flu? Came out there and lit him up. That's called grit. And most of us, including myself, if I had the flu and I was burning up, I'd been under the covers. I said, I'll get them the next time. Real talk. What, what, what about Isaiah Thomas? Detroit Pistons, L.A. Lakers, 1988. Playoff game, rolled his ankle, limped through that last quarter. Ended up scoring 30-plus points. That is grit. What about Mary Lou Retton? I know you're already thinking about all the examples of grit. What if we applied that same principle in every area of our lives and cultivated this stick to The truth is we all have our pain threshold. And most of us, man, we are so sensitive to pain. Come on, somebody. We're so sensitive to pain that a little paper cut going to shut you down for a week. And when I talk about paper cut, I ain't talking about physical. I'm talking about emotional paper cuts that shut you down and paralyze you. Your pain threshold is, is, is so low, so low that can't nobody tell you nothing. And you done blown up. Can I, the only way I can say what I'm feeling is to use bad grammar. <laughs> Can't nobody tell you nothing. And you done blown up. <laughs> and it's not because of what the person said. It's just your pain threshold. Too sensitive to pain. Can't nobody touch you. Can't nobody poke you. Can't nobody. Can I tell you what you are? Can I tell you what you might be? Let me just rephrase it. Might be. You might be an emotional and spiritual porcupine. Can't nobody touch you before you poke them back. Got zero grit. Got zero tolerance for pain. And because of that, we can only go so far and no more in our relationships. Because the minute somebody touch you, the minute somebody say something, World War III. Uh, and can I tell you, a lot of times what drives our pain, uh, our, our pain threshold, y'all ready for this? Can I just talk to y'all? Can I tell you a lot of times what drives our pain quotient? A lot, a lot. I, I know history is part of it. I know our past experience is part of it. But it's something I call IQ. And IQ, you know what IQ is? It's our inconvenience quotient. As long as that's going to inconvenience me. As long as that's going to require something of me. I want no part of it. That's what's really driving our pain threshold. 
Because how many of you realize that interacting with another human being will be inconvenient? And because we don't want to be inconvenienced, we keep our distance, and that becomes our pain threshold. But I'm going to share a story with you right now. I'm going to share a story with you right now that's going to help you understand what quality, gritty relationships look like and the kind of relationships that God is calling us into. Because the kind of relationships that flourish, that are fruitful, are relationships where people have a high pain threshold and they're okay sometimes with being inconvenienced. <laughs> can I, can, before I do that, y'all ready? Before I do that, I'm going to dive into this in a second, but before I do that, uh, in BUDS training, uh, when, 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 when candidates go through SEAL training, the Navy SEALs instructors say they can predict with about 90% accuracy who's going to get through and who's going to fail. And you know how they determine that? When they're doing the BUDS training and they're doing their boat PT, and you have six guys holding up that boat, they can always tell the ones who are going to quit first by the guys who don't have their elbows flexed. You know what that means? When they look at the guys who have their elbows bent, while everybody else have their elbows, they, they know that these guys are going to quit because they've learned to cheat the process. The fact that they don't straighten their elbows reveals their pain threshold. Because the boat PT is what precedes Hell Week. And in Hell Week, five and a half days, listen to me, five and a half days, and the candidates only get four hours each of sleep. In five and a half days. They run about 200 miles, which averages about 40 miles a day, and do 20 hours of physical activity each day. And the reason most of them don't make it a hell week is because they cheat the process. Straighten your elbows. No, I'm going to bend my elbows. Straighten your elbows. I'm going to bend my elbows, yet you want to be a Navy SEAL. And that's the way most of us go through life. We think we can cheat the process. We think there's a way around the fight. But the only way you and I can become all that God has created us to be is we got to learn to straighten our elbows. Are y'all with me? I think I've quoted him before, but one of my favorite fighters, uh, man, y'all see that form? Come on, somebody. That's smoking Joe Frazier. Listen to what Frazier said. Listen to what Frazier said. He said you can map out a life plan or a fight plan. But when the action starts, it may, it may not go the way you planned and you're just down to the reflexes you developed in training. Listen to me, young people in the back, y'all who got hoop dreams and want to be great athletes, listen to me, listen to me. You can make a life plan and you can even make a fight plan, but when it comes down to it, that fight, that game, that opportunity may not go the way you planned it, and you're down to what you developed in training. Listen to this. What you perfect in private, God will reward in public. Don't cheat the process. Do not cheat the process. And notice, he goes on, and this is what he says. He says, uh, that's where your road work shows. When he talks about road work, is what fighters do when they used to run a lot on the road. In fact... It's illustrated. It's illustrated. Most of the injuries that the candidates sustain are ankle and leg injuries. Because these guys come into training and all they've done is run on a treadmill. 
and they put them in the sand. And they put them on rough terrain. Out go their ankles. Out go their shins. Because most of us have never learned to embrace inconvenience. But we want to be great. And so, and so because they live a treadmill life, and that's what most of us want, we want treadmill relationships, we never go out on the sand, and we never go out on the tough terrain, and then when life happens, your ankle goes out, your knee goes out, because we've never trained for the tough times. Are y'all listening to me this morning, City Church? <laughs> I promise you, we're going somewhere with this. Notice what Frazier says. He says, that's why your road work shows. What you cheat on in the early light of morning will show up in the ring under bright lights. He said, you know where you're going to be exposed? You know when it's going to show up? You can cheat now in the dark, but when the lights come on, everybody's going to know you've been cheating. You've been cheating on yourself, and you've been cheating on the people. who've trusted you. It's the final thing he says. He says, champions aren't made in the ring. They are merely recognized there. For those of us who like a bright life, bright light life, in, in, in this world of social media where we put our best foot forward. And as long as we can give an impression that everything's all right, we don't have to worry about the hard work that it takes. We can pretend all day long in front of everybody and get a million likes, but nobody doing the work. Are y'all with me? Relationships require grit. So let's talk about gritty relationships, and then I'm going to say y'all home. Y'all ready for this? In the seven and a half minutes I have left, glory to God. So there's a great story about relational grit. Uh, we've defined grit simply as this, faithfulness to God when life gets tough. When life gets tough, be faithful to God. When relationships get tough, be faithful. That's what grit is. Grit is being faithful even when it's hard. Even when it's hard. And I feel that's a good place to end this series and to remember that we fight for what matters. So here we go. Uh, relational grit is being faithful, here it is, to your relationships. Listen, don't just exit the relationship because it got tough. Don't just ex exit the relationship because you had a, a little paper cut on your tongue when you tried to lick the envelope in your relationship with somebody else. Be faithful. Even when your relationship gets tough. So, so here's a question for you to consider. What part of your relationship with others is being squeezed right now? I want you to think about it. You're friends with somebody, and that area of your relationship is being squeezed right now. Maybe God is inviting you to muster up some grit to forgive and restore that relationship. Maybe you've hit your pain threshold and God is saying, eh, you got to bring that pain threshold. You got it set too low. You got your governor set too low. You got to raise that threshold. You got it at a two, but I'm calling you to level up to a five 
And when you level it up to a five, you will find out that some of the things that used to get under your skin don't bother you as much anymore. You have to expand your capacity for pain. Okay, you're quiet on me this morning. <laughs> So, so here's a great story about relational grit, and, and uh, I promise you, I'll go get y'all out here in time to beat the Baptist to Lubies in Jesus' name. Uh, familiar story, but it bears repeating. Uh, Mark chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, and again, he entered Capernaum after some days, and it, uh, and it was heard that he was in the house. Come on, somebody say, Jesus is in the house. It was heard that he was in the house. And the scripture says, immediately many gathered together. Immediately many gathered together so that there was no longer room to receive them, not even near the door. Oh, man, but I love this next phrase. And he preached the word to them. I just like that. That Jesus just preached the word to them, man. Because he knew that was the one thing that could transform their lives. All of them came, pressed in, the house was full. And Jesus preached the word to them. Now look at uh, verse number three. Then they came to him, bringing a paralytic who was carried by four men. Point number one, point number one, here it is. Uh, if you're going to have, if you're going to level up in your squad goals, I, I, listen, listen. If you're going to level up in your squad goals, this is what God is inviting you to do. He's inviting you to have friends who know where to take you in your time of need. Eh? I ain't talking about your real housewives of Atlanta friends. Listen to me. This is real talk. Because I know some of the foolishness we permit into our lives when our relationships are being squeezed. I know the kind of foolishness we entertain as married women talking to our single friends for marriage advice. They ain't going to take you to the right person. They ain't going to take you to the right place. Listen to me. In 2019, make sure your priority is finding friends who know where to take you in your time of need. Who will bring you back to the cross. Who will bring you to the feet of Jesus? I ain't talking about this superficial relationship. Oh, girl, let's go drink some. Let me say, not just the ladies. I ain't, I ain't. Talk to the ladies. If you have a question about anything I'm saying, send your queries, your frustrations, your comments to Tony Stone at CityChurchTV.com. Send them to Tony. Or even fellas. The kind of counsel we entertain. Listen to me. When you're going through a difficult time, I just want you to consider. I want you to consider who you turn to first. And after you've turned to them, where have they pointed you? Notice, I'm talking about relational grit. I'm talking about squad goals. Make sure you have people in your life who will bring you where... You need to be in your time of need. And if you love Jesus and you follow him, you need to have friends who will bring you to the cross. I know that's not cool. I know that's not, you know, 2019. But I guarantee you, the stuff that we're looking for and that we need can only and ultimately be found in Jesus. Listen, listen. 
I am strongly challenging you. I'm strongly challenging you without hesitation or reservation to reconsider, reevaluate who you have in your inner circle if when you bring your need to them, they don't point you to Jesus. Y'all ain't hear what I'm saying. They brought him to Jesus. They brought him to Jesus. Do I have friends who bring me to Jesus? Uh, point number two. Point number two. Uh, uh, where was I? Verse three. And it says, and when they could not come near him <laughs> because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof. Listen to me. Listen to me. Listen to me, this guy was paralyzed, could not help himself, and these guys had so much relational grit. Listen to me, listen to me, his friends did not need the miracle for themselves. But they were just as invested in their friend who needed the miracle. Listen to me, most of us have fair weather friends. They're only there when the relationship is convenient. But you, you get to the place in your life where you're helpless. See how many of them have come to your rescue. I want you to stop right now what you're doing and say, think about your entire squad. You are in a situation where you can't help yourself. You can't get off that mat. How many of them have come to your rescue? Listen to me. I'm saying, come to your rescue. I ain't saying they said, girl, I'm praying for you. Let me leave the ladies alone. Bruh, man, I got you, dog. I'm praying for you. Beyond the text, beyond the phone call, how many of them have come where you are, picked you up, and brought you to the place of healing. No, I'm talking to you this morning because Jesus is inviting us to reevaluate who is in our inner circle. Yeah, you can have friends and they can be peripheral. They can be somewhere out here in the orbit. I'm talking about the people who are closest to you. If they ain't bringing you to Jesus, listen to me, and if they're not willing to do the second thing, this is point number two, friends who will fight for you when you can't fight for yourself. Just stop for a minute. If you were paralyzed right now, how many of your friends would come where you are and fight for you when you couldn't fight? Listen to me, listen to me. Listen to me, these four men brought their friend to Jesus. And when they got to the house, the house was surrounded on the outside and overflowing on the inside. Let me tell you what most of our friends would do. Turn around and bruh, We'll come back another day. I'm talking about having friends in your life who will refuse to take no for an answer. Not because they need it for themselves, but because they love you enough to rip off somebody else's roof so you can get what you need. I'm talking to you all this morning because this games we play, oh, that's my girl, that's my dude, that's my boy. In your time of need, how many of them? In fact, I will venture to say, if you're honest, you would have a longer list of the people who walked away from you in your time of need than the ones who fought for you. 
This is somebody else's house they went to. And they loved their friend so much that they got up on somebody else's house and ripped off their roof. Just so they could get their friend to Jesus. Man, I got to, do we have that video? So, so I, this was an audible, I called at the last minute. I just want to show this video because it's just an, a, an example of relational grit in marriage. Uh, it doesn't necessarily fit, but it does kind of fit. I just want to show this video anyhow. Saren, can you kill the lights? Let's pull this up. I don't know what the quality is going to be like. Let's kick up the volume. Let's just watch this, and I'll tell you why I wanted to show it. Amen. All right, let's kill it right there. Is it Pastor Ray? What I got to do anything? No, it got a whole lot. Let me tell you what it got to do with everything. This is it. It's about relational grit. Uh, most of you guys know Devon Franklin and Megan Good. Megan's an actress. Uh, and, and so you, you heard sort of the exchange. Uh, and, and listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. This is what the scripture teaches. That as women, we should be modest in our dress. Scripture does teach that. So when you listen to what this lady says, on the one hand, you say, oh, yeah, she's justified in saying that she should be modest in her dress. But listen to this. We've always said this here at City Church. Truth without grace is mean. And even if that was her issue with Megan Good, that wasn't the place to address it. Mean church folk. Oxymoron. Listen to this, listen to this. Relational grit is having somebody in your life who will fight for you when you can't fight for yourself. What well, well, most of you probably couldn't see on the video was she was wiping away tears. Let me tell you something. Let me talk to the knucklehead husbands who don't fight for their wives. Listen to me, listen to me, listen to me. Even if what the person said is true, you better take out your sword. You better take out your sword and fight for your wife's honor and protect her and guard her and cover her because that's what God has called us to. And when Megan couldn't fight for herself, Devon fought for her. You think Devon doesn't know the scripture? He's an SDA minister. He's an SDA pastor. But you better have people in your life who will fight for you when you can't fight for yourself. These people came in, ripped off the roof. I'm about to close. I'm about to close. I'm about to close. Uh, number three, point number three, and then I'll close. Man, there's so much more I had to say, but this is why I'm going to close. Point number three. Uh, let, me, let me just say this. For those of you who are unsure, for those of you who are unsure, for those of you who are unsure about his defense of his wife, because the lady made a point about modesty and that she's a Christian and that she's a pastor's wife and she should cover up. I agree with her 100% because the Bible teaches modesty. That's what the Bible teaches. But there's a flip side to that, though. Because truth without grace is mean and mean-spirited. Listen to me. Again, how do I say this? How do I say this? 
let me put it this way. If God, if, if God could give us a glimpse of, or, or if, if we had an opportunity to put on guys, God's glasses for a second, I think we would be really surprised by what he blessed and what he didn't approve. Listen, let me, let me give you an example. Let me tell you why I say that. Because the scripture says, man looks at the outward appearance. God looks at the heart. Why do I feel a, a sort of a necessity to say something there? It's because I think sometimes we fight for the wrong things in the name of God. And we make it about the earrings or the hair and the makeup when God wants us to transform hearts. So fight for those who can't fight for themselves. That's what his friends did. Uh, and this is where we will close. Point number three. If you're going to level up your squad goals, if you're going to level up, listen, if you're going to level no, people who will take you to Jesus, number one, number two, people will fight for you when you can't fight for yourself. And number three, friends who will make a way when they can't find a way. That's what ripping the roof off was all about. Man, we can't find a way to get in that house, but guess what? <laughs> we got you, dog. We're going to make a way to get you what you need. Listen to me. I'm asking you, and I believe the Lord is asking us in 2019 to re-evaluate the relationships that are closest to us. I ain't talk, You can have a ton of friends who will just text you and like your post on Facebook, but I'm talking about your inner circle. Make sure they meet these three criteria. Notice what verse 4 says. And when they could not come near him because of the crowd, they uncovered the roof where he was. So when they had broken through, somebody say broken through. Yeah. Get some friends in your life who will help you break through when you can't do it for yourself. And they let him down or they let down the bed on which the paralytic was lying. Here's, here's the last thing, number four, gritty faith. Gritty, gritty faith always gets heaven's attention. Notice verse five. Notice the first five words in verse five. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. Gritty faith, the faith that will not give up, that will not throw in the towel, the kind of faith that will remain faithful even when life gets tough always gets heaven's attention. Jesus saw their faith. I don't have time to finish it off because that's a whole nother five bullet points, but I want to pray for you this morning. I want to pray for you this morning. If you're in a place where you're, you're wanting to throw in the towel, you've lost your personal grit, you're struggling with your relational and even spiritual grit, the kind of faith that gets heaven's attention is the faith that will remain faithful even when life gets tough. Do y'all hear me this morning? Gritty faith. Gritty faith that will persevere beyond the resistance. We said this last week that enthusiasm is common, but endurance is rare. And maybe you got excited about the dream and got excited about the idea 
But God is calling us to be gritty beyond just the excitement. And he's saying endure beyond the pain. Level up your pain threshold. And don't allow the, the, your inconvenience quotient. Just because it's inconvenient doesn't mean you need to quit. Press beyond the inconvenience and the pain. Not just in your life personally, but even in your relationships. Let me pray for you. Father, as we close out this series.